Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go with your hosts, Megan Powers with Hires of Marketing and Jen Cole with Pick Media and Social Media Examiner. Hello, hello. Welcome to the second part of the season kickoff for season three of Making a Marketer. I am really excited to do another whirlwind round robin of of a lot of our previous guests season two. I'm having a little reunion, a little back to school reunion. And I know it'll be fun to hear from everyone in this second half. So we will have nine guests on today on this episode 38 as we did on the previous. Hi, Miss Jen Cole. How are you? Hey, I am doing wonderful today, Megan. I'm so excited for another round today. It's going to be great. Yeah. So if you didn't listen to part one, you must. And pretty much Jen had this epiphany as she was going into the show that she was going to get to hang out with all her friends. (laughs) (laughs) That did happen. I mean, you know, we have a laugh. We like everyone always learns something from our show, but we also like to have a laugh and enjoy the time we spend together. And and people said that it was it's the most fun Zoom meeting that they ever have. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was certainly a lot of fun. It went by really fast, too fast. Yeah, no question. All right, so I am going to introduce our guests. And today in group one, batting first. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm always going to bring it back to a sport. Rachel Stefan is a senior event marketing strategist and influencer with Snowball. Snowball Events is an event influence marketing tool and sense of marketing. She was on episode 29 chatting about influencer marketing along with our next guest, Mariska Kestelou, and she's the founder of The Word of Mice. And also on episode 29, we're going to ask you to tell us what mice stands for, for those who don't know. And then the world-famous Dahlia Elgazar. She is the coffee-fueled founder of Dahlia Plus, a unique agency within the meetings and events space, providing all sorts of really cool services and tools for event organizers. She was on episode 33. And we had a really interesting conversation. And one of the things that she said that stuck that I made part of the title was that marketing is more brain width than bandwidth. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. 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 (laughs) They're here. I swear. (laughs) 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 All right. So we asked you in advance to... Think about what's the one big thing. Now, Dolly has had less time because she was on fairly recently. But what's the one big thing that you have learned that you can share with us that you had learned since you were last on the show? And I'll let Mariska go first. Oh, thank you for the order. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as the only European to be on the call. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned is also from the call that still a huge amount of work is out there um, to spread the word about B2B influencer marketing because a lot of people still don't know, first of all, there is a difference between B2C and B2B influencer marketing and how to set up a campaign, So, which is a good sign, I think, not only for me, but also for, for the potential of Rachel's company. I think there's still a huge, enormous potential for B2B influencer marketing. And I'm also talking especially for the mice industry where I'm working in, so meetings, incentives, conference and events. 
a huge potential out there. So it's positive because we have still a lot of work and um, we need to get those misperceptions out of the world between B2C and B2B. For sure. And Miss Rachel. Well, I would echo a little bit uh, what Marska is saying. Uh, definitely, there's some uh, education, and I love the fact that we tag team together between <laughs> between our companies and what we're trying to kind of put out there in order to get people to understand. Mainly, it's like you know they they think this is like such a foreign thing, influencer marketing. And the minute you bring it back to basics and you tell them about their organic influencers, that I'm saying what it is now is organic influencers means like they're part of your events, for example, because we are focused more on the event influencers for conferences, like the speakers, exhibitors, and the partners to be part of that. So when they look at it at it this way, you have that look on their face when I talk to them, it's like, huh, that's easy. I could do that. We have that. So how can we go about it and do it? So that's fun part about it. And you know, I'm passionate about it still. A lot of things have moved since then. And I can't tell you about the big announcement yet, but it'll be coming very shortly. But it's a natural evolution between both companies. That's all I'm going to ah, say. It's okay. snowball. <laughs> and we realized that, you know, the industry needs mainly is basically time and creativity and people who would do stuff for them. So that's all I'm going to say about that. You'll ah. see uh, announcement shortly maybe in september all right that's exciting yeah well and i still need to get a demo on snowball and oh, um, yes my mpi membership is now officially planner membership so woohoo <laughs> anytime <laughs> i've been planning events for a while and i've still been in the supplier category so across to the other side i did the dark side no. the dark side <laughs> <laughs> I still am doing both, but I wanted the credit of the fact that I am actually planning things. So I'm happy. And of course, it's less expensive, which didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Miss Dahlia, what's your one big thing? So my one big thing is still about the brain width type of comment that I had last time that I was with you and chatting. Basically, what I see is happening is, you know, people complain a lot within our industry whether supplier, planner, supplanner, which I think they should bring back supplanner, like 100%. But they complain that they don't have enough time and enough brain width, whether it's a skill set that they think they should know everything, which is a myth, and they shouldn't, or that their team has the skill set. One thing that they do not tap into, and you probably, everybody on this session goes through it, is you need to tap into the people you have conversations with. And so when we talk about event technology or we talk about, you know, even even you may in, you know, planning an event that others should tap into your knowledge of like what your network is about and other talent that you know that can come and become part of that brain width or that, you know, something that would just have them pivot from how they're designing experiences, whether internally for their team or whether for their events in general. So tapping into and asking the questions and even, you know, Mariska and Rachel are in the influencer marketing world, you know, asking them about how that fits within their marketing and then asking them about CRM solutions or asking them how that could be designing or formatting new content for their program so that they're not cutting and pasting 2018 agenda and using it for 2019 and then for 2020. And then they figure out, hey, there's nobody coming. Well, guess what? <laughs> why? You know. Yeah. So just being open to 
first and foremost, the idea of you won't know any everything. You can tap into other people's talents and then just ask the questions. Even if you have a tech, like a mobile app partner, ask them who do they blend in you know, with when it comes to event management or who do they know that can do you know, uh, heat mapping or any tech that they need in order to have that feedback loop or that data so that they can pivot and go to a different direction. Yeah, I think that's so valid that we tend to stay in silos. And totally. there's no there's no need for that. I think it echoes exactly the point that I was I was making uh, also about the influencers. Like Dalia, you're saying you tap into the network of what they have and the suppliers that they have. Take it into the context of marketing. Right. They don't need to do it on their own. And they don't have the knowledge and expertise, not like from uh, the marketing knowledge of expertise, but like the actual conference. You have experts, you have speakers, you have people who are knowledgeable in the industry that your association is in. Tap into those people. These are the influencers and get that knowledge and content out of them that would make the potential participants resonate or understand or like relate to that content and not that marketing fluff that they just keep, like you say, or duplicate and then let's change the days. Let's and cut and the same email campaign. It worked last year and the year before. Why not? You know? Exactly. Exactly. So that's the type of, you know, tapping into your network or democratizing influences. You know, everyone is an influencer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that too. And speaking of that, Mariska, the last time that you're on a little bit, the word influencer has taken on a bit of a negative connotation, but can be done very well. I've seen it done very well. So why should people pay to work with influencers in the mice industry? Well, first of all, if you want to set up a campaign, a B2B influencer campaign, those are campaigns for at least six months or longer. So the workload that they have on average for a campaign, sometimes it's between one and two days a week. So by sometimes doing, even creating a podcast or webinar, blog post or video, it all depends what the client wants. So the client gets a lot of value, a lot of content in exchange. So for the work that they do, I always ask the client then in reverse, if you do a campaign for uh, six months, would you be willing to work 26 days free during a year, no one would say yes. So therefore, I think you get an expert in the house, uh, someone who knows all about the industry and knows also everything about social media, about trends and developments. I always say use and abuse that expertise. It's not just that person is just creating content. That person can also train your team. For example, they can also share the tips and knowledge that they've built up. So people only tend to see the influencer as a sender from only content. No, you can engage also online and offline and also strengthen your current team who's working in your company. So therefore, I think it's only valid to pay for that person and see them as an expert. Yeah, absolutely. I think using them as an example is a great idea. I mean, it's, it's the only idea, really. It's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Okay, Miss Rachel. So you now have officially been on Making a Marketer four times. So four uh, times already. You tied the record with Amanda Robinson. So you were both regular guests in each season, and then we're on the reunion. So wow. <laughs> Shannon just says oh. she's like, uh, so I think Rachel wanted to be on your show. I'm like, yeah, she's she's been on a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, thank you. This is cool. <laughs> You're famous, Rachel. Right? Yeah, I'm an influencer. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So can you explain for us uh, as quickly as possible, how does snowball work? How does snowball work? Oh, quickly. So um, what's, well, we, uh-huh. <laughs> we right on the spot, I'll just my little thing there. So the, the one thing that organizers need to know is that they don't need to do anything. That's the best part of it. One. Two is that we're going to go and tap into all of their potential influencers or influencers that they already have. So all we need from them is their data for their speakers, the data for exhibitors or, or participants, whoever they want to kind of mobilize into this campaign. And we will create customizable marketing assets that are personalized for every single one of them so that they can promote themselves in addition to promoting the event. So there's that what's in it for me thing that it's very important. And we don't pay our influencers anything. <laughs> they do it because there's something in it for them too. Right. So that's the, that's the key part of it. And the best part of it is that once it goes out and it's being start to snowball, we monitor, we track and see what goes on and who's being the most influential, who's creating the buzz. And based on those statistics and recommendations, we come back to clients always with recommendations, next step of what to do with it, how to take it to the next level, how can you dig deeper and go more content-wise and co-create with your influencers in forms of videos or blog posts and content marketing around those experts really that are creating that big buzz in the industry. And that's how, you know, it goes on and, and it snowballs from there. And then the measurement is really, really key. And we've seen some campaigns, you know, give returns and up to 10% in registration returns in some areas where we gamified the exhibitors altogether to kind of create contests around their activation. And one client in particular that keeps coming back, they've seen like tremendous, tremendous results in that area. So you have to be very creative. And then that's why we walk them through the whole thing. and. Where the brain and the strategist that will accompany them is not a technology that they're going to go in and do their th- themselves. We're doing it for them. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard it um, quite described that way. And the organizers are not having to do anything. That's key, right? But are you getting involved? I'm curious about it becoming part of the speaker's contract because they're one of the influencers, right? And you're really asking yes. the speaker to share these, these assets that you're... Uh, no, we're not involved on that level. They have oh. that in their contract to do that. But the speaker, they really don't have to do anything. We're packaging it to them that they just take it. It's already made. So there's no extra work to do on their behalf. So okay. they will take it and, and post it. Even the social media posts are created for them. The visuals are created for them. It's really no work for anybody. We're doing the work. Super smart. I really like what you guys have been doing. I've been seeing a lot of your social stuff you. um, lately. So Dahlia, this, I think that this dovetails a little bit into sponsorship as being a big part of, of marketing at events. And your team has a variety of offerings and things that you're helping event organizers do. What trends are you seeing in the event industry when it comes to sponsorships? So the trends that we're seeing, you know, other than the usual sponsorship, for example, sponsor a breakout session or sponsor a networking reception and alcohol or something like that. So I see more sponsorship opportunities that are around wellness and uh, the balancing act, as well as a little bit of the basics. So anything that complements like the industry agenda, so if you will, or like the content, there's all these different activations that are the future of sponsorship. So like, for example, we're going beyond massage chairs. And, you know, that has always been a usual. I think it's a mix of 
you know, education or like huddle sessions around wellness or stress relievers or, you know, topics around burnout, because that also exists, especially in medical and healthcare in that industry. But that sort of can be in any type of industry or it's the basics around personal branding or it's around, you know, technology in general. So those are the kind of sponsorships. Now, the key to to promoting it, because not every single association, for example, has a sales team that's comfortable in selling those type of sponsorships. They're usually comfortable in selling a coffee break or, a, you know, or like a, a recharging station or lounge, you know, something you put like a vinyl like sticker on basically. But I think what they need to get creative on is, and this is based on data analytics is, you know, who are you going to be putting in front of me for a sponsorship? So like right now with registration, we need to start having, and we do this with our event organizers, instead of just collecting basic information, collect what we call meta tags. So it's really what, you know, Jen and Megan are really wanting to learn about whether it's blogging or whether it's vlogging or whether it's AI or whether it's something that resonates with them that is not in their usual program that they see. For example, if, if you show up for a pediatrics type of industry event. And so tying that meta tags with the profiles and then being able to go to like an IBM or a Microsoft and saying, you know, I'm going to be putting 40 people in front of you that are interested in AI. And that's your sponsorship opportunity and being super creative on like how that looks. So from event design, not making it your usual, like, you know, classroom style, boring type of, you know, breakout session to what do they get out of it on the long run? I love it. Yeah, we could do a whole show on sponsorships. We have our guests for totally. our next segment um, popping in. But I think, Rachel, you had one more thing to say about retargeting. Oh, yes. When I talked about the uh, campaign that we do for where Snowball, the multiple stages of the campaign, one of the stages that we do at a second level is the retargeting. Because, you know, it, it's all about for planners, it's acquiring new audience. So when you're tapping into your influencers and they're exposing you to all this new audience that are visiting their marketing assets, the opportunity there is to go back then and run retargeting campaigns on those new audiences and try to reconvert them again to come to the event. That's one of the things that I forgot to mention. That's okay. Excellent. Okay. So one thing I want to say too, is that I am hosting a new podcast called Inside Events and title sponsor is Swap Card. And so everything's exclusively on events. And so it's like going to be a no brainer to have Rachel and Mariska and actually everyone who's on the screen right now, Christy, Tahira, Emma, like all y'all, Dahlia. And the company's based in Paris. So I'm doing a mix. We're, it's not going to be exactly every other one, but it's going to be like European guests, US, I mean, kind of going back and forth. I'm super excited. It's been, I worked two episodes in and I have recorded the next week and on and on. So it's once a month but there's always so much more to talk about, right? So um, it being a show that's exclusively events and not, not, and not a, mar- a marketing podcast will be really good to have you guys back. It's very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay, so Rachel, Dahlia, and Mariska, we say thank you very much for being here. We're going to move on to group two. You're welcome to hang out if you want and, and listen to the chat. And thank you so much for being on. Hello, group two. Sahira, Emma, Christy, welcome, welcome. 
Hi, all my favorite Hi. people in one place at one time. I can't believe <laughs> I was just emailing today about all the things we need to do, and then here she is. Amazing. All right. Well, and I, I did this purposefully right group and you back to back my event folks. Last season, we were able to have the entire second show be all event people. So this one's a little bit marketing exclusively folks on the last group. But I want to welcome you all. I'm going to give a, my, a little uh, brief info and what episode each of you were on. Tahira Endine is head of events with Site Global. She was on episode 30 and the chat was about transformative events along with Emma Parston. And she's a partner with Connect 7 Group. They both were on episode 30. It's a really, really good episode. And again, I'm going to have to have you guys on inside events, no question. And then Christy LaMagna is with Strategic Meetings and Events, among many other things. And I will have some questions on the other stuff you're up to. And we'll get to you in a bit. And she was on episode 32 about incentivizing performance. So I asked you all in advance to prepare your one big thing, you know, to think about what's the one big thing that you've learned really since the last time you were on. And I'll go in alphabetical order. Christy, you get to go first. Hi, Christy. I, I love that. You? Usually I go first because they go in size order and I'm always the shortest. So <laughs> it's nice to it's nice to be first for a different reason. Uh, it's so wonderful to be back. And I had so much fun the last time we met and spoke and to just see the people that you were bringing back for the reunion. I love the reach that you have and the influence that you guys have. It's wonderful to be back. So thank you. Thank you. And what I, the most important or the most powerful thing that I have learned since the last time we met, and it's applicable to events, it's applicable to life, but it's not necessarily event related, is Tira had just said, oh my gosh, we were just talking about needing to see each other and here you are on video. And as planners, we tend to be control freaks. Uh And I have (laughs) started, not us, right? Uh Um, One of the things I joined a mastermind that is focused on the philosophy of think and grow rich, which is letting go of being in control and what you put out there is what you're attracted to. And when you're tense, more awful things happen. and And like I carry the book around with me everywhere. And what I have learned is as someone who is forever trying to control things, One of the reasons, and someone had just mentioned, um, I think it was Dahlia, that in the medical field, there's so much burnout and we're doing mind, body, and spirit. And it's because we put so much mental energy into trying to change things that we have no control over and we fool ourselves into believing that we're in charge of it. Much less anything, we think we're in charge of everything. And the power that this has given me by just letting things go and what shows up and how I frame it and reference it has helped me in life, has helped me in work, has helped me with my events, has helped me with everything. I love it. Thanks, Jen. Another existential answer. We had a few of those yesterday. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I know. I I love it so much. Like, we can really deep dive into this stuff. It's it's really cool. It's similar to a book that I read this summer called The Art of Not Giving an F. That's not the real title, but (laughs) that was transformational for me, too. So, along the same lines. Awesome. All right. Love that answer. Hey, Emma, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. What's your one big thing? Yeah, so my one big thing um, is sort of overarching and it's happened on a couple of projects, but it's that innovation um, within an event doesn't have to be this huge, big, creative breakthrough brainstorm that we sometimes always think it has to be. And it can come from actually 
really simple solutions that are needed from a logistical point of view. Um, so this has happened three or four times um, since the last time that we spoke. And one example of this is we did a big international indigenous conference and we had people from all over the world who speak many different indigenous languages. Um, and when it came time to be thinking about printing their name badges, we realized that there's so many different languages, many of which with fonts that most of our printing systems don't have. And so this became a real problem. You know, the whole point of the conference is to promote indigenous languages and resources for them and having name badges that were inaccurate would be a huge failure and issue. And so when we were trying to figure out ways to get around this, the, the most simple solution is for people to write their own name badges, to write their own names. And so we took that to a, a higher level. Of course, we had beautifully branded name badges that were quite large. And we had their name that they had entered into the system printed quite small on it. But the whole big space of it was for them to write their, their own name in their own language. And it became this beautiful piece of the conference where everybody had this um, their name in many different fonts, some of which I certainly hadn't seen. And it actually made people feel included and welcomed. And so this really simple solution that we were worried could come across as very basic was actually one of the most talked about and successful pieces of the conference. So it really um, has, yeah, a big learning for me that just the simple solutions can be made into these beautiful innovations um, that actually help, help your event. That is delightful. I love that. Inclusion is huge. And that's like, that's major. And I don't know, I, there's something to be said for like at the hot Jogimaza where you just write your own name. It's just, hello, my name is. And that too is like, who's the shark and who's the minnow and who's who, who cares? You know, just knowing someone's name is, and then it's a conversation starter too, right? Because then it's like, you wouldn't know how to. No, how to where are you that. from? What language is that? Or how do you say that? Um, yeah, it becomes like a network icebreaker as well. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. Tahira, Tahira, Tahira. Uh, so I learned that you actually can travel ending up at a gala dinner for 40 days in a carry-on if you just plan ahead. <laughs> That's valuable. <laughs> it's a life hack. I'm telling you. It's yeah. like my world is completely changed. You know, what I've learned is that just a little kindness goes a long way. You know, I am an event planner for very high level event planners. I've spent the last year doing that traveling around the world or not quite a year, about eight months. And everybody has high expectations, but everybody also understands that when we're doing things with good intentions and kindness and really trying to make the best of where we are in the world, which looks different wherever we are in the world is magic. You know, it's people just being able to have conversations is really the most important thing and the most important thing that we do, whatever situation that is in. Uh, yeah, I, I've often said that organizations like yours and MPI, the people that plan those events have the hardest job on the planet. <laughs> the, the people you're trying to please are all people who do it for a living, right? And even though we shouldn't, we tend to be the most critical. So they made a good move putting you in charge. <laughs> Can you just tell them that every day? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing to hear. So Christy, we've spoken with you about incentives in meetings and events, but can you tell us about your other endeavor, Life Lives Strategically? You did your homework. Yes. So one of the things that I, it's interesting, I can't take credit for having thought of this. I was teaching college 
for 10 years. And my students would say to me, you know, professor, this is, I know this is an event class, but we learn so much about life in this class. And I, at one point said, well, life is the ultimate event. And that's now the name of my upcoming book. And Life Lived Strategically is taking the principles of what we do and like, you know, miracles that Tahira tries to perform of, you know, planning for planners and saying, if we can do this, what's interesting is we do this for hundreds of people. We don't do it for ourselves, right? Because we're overworked and we're exhausted. And so taking life and living it strategically, considering life the ultimate event and taking all the principles that we use for our attendees and applying them to our lives. And as a speaker, that allows me to speak to any audience because now I can speak to an association of dentists. And it allows me to take everything we do for our event attendees and allow them to internalize it and create their own event, which is their life. If you think about it, events have three types of attendees, the people who show up and participate, the people who check Facebook, and the people who sit there because they have to. And life is like that. You've got the go-getters, you've got the mid-level and then you've got the people who still live in their mother's basement at the age of 50. So <laughs> no, not a, no, no judgment to hear. If so how your life is the event, what kind of attendee are you and what kind of outcomes do you have? So it's this really cool, I get to stay in events, but now I get to help other people. And it's, your life should be an incentive trip. And what are you trying to do to reward yourself? So it's this cool new thing and it's launching full time in 2020. So thank you. I'm very excited about the name of my first blog, Christy, was Mm -hmm. Life's an Event Live It. Oh, you're kidding. Mm -mm. Oh my good parallel development. Uh, It's still on Blogger. (laughs) I moved most of it over to my company blog, but that that all resonates. I think that it's you know it's true. Like people are saying, you know, I've I've literally traveled 110 days this year and it's August. And you know, it's like people are like, How are you doing it? But I'm doing it exactly with what Christy just said, which is by making sure that everywhere that I go, I'm taking advantage of where I am, seeing friends, taking time to go for a walk and see what is around me, and just looking for sort of the ways that, you know, if you're working 10, 12, 14, we all have those days that there's the moments in between that make it so that I can continue to do what I do. Or, you know, I've been with my husband for 30 years. We just have this awesome party for that. But I'm just trying to make sure that he can come and see some of the things that I do along the way that now that we have a bit more time and our kids are a bit older. So it's just finding those moments that make it so that we can do what we do. You know, you, you make yeah. those moments. You didn't find them. You intentionally create them. Absolutely. That's the difference. You can't 100%. wait for them to happen. 100%. Well, and Mariska was just saying that she tries to add on a little bit of time um, to her work trips. And I, I'm the same way. I, mm-hmm. How could I go like 4,000 miles and not see anything but the inside of a convention center ballroom? Like, but we do it all the time, right? We do it all the time. A lot of people that do it all the time. I really try not to. It's part of the reason I've seen 25 ballparks is because <laughs> when I go right. to a city, if it's baseball season, I'm going to a game. <laughs> That's awesome. It's done done with intention and you gave yourself permission and a lot of us don't. Yeah, no question. And I I will say, caveats being, I don't have kids. There are responsibilities that I don't have that other people have. um, And so I know that I have an advantage in that way. So Tahira, I love that you just had your 30th and beautiful pictures. I just celebrated my 30-year high school reunion. So a little bit younger than you, but I know you were a child bride, right? Uh, she's nodding. That doesn't play well on, on an audio podcast, but so I want you to tell our listeners what site is all about. And I saw that site, the global conference is in Vancouver next year. 
Uh, did you have an effect on that? Did that have a play into you taking the job? No. Coincidental. No, it was coincidental that when they hired me, they'd already chosen Whistler for an event last March and uh, Vancouver for January this year. So uh, very fun, though, to be planning an event in my own city. Very excited. So site is the Society for Incentive Travel Excellence. And we just stay in our lane. We really just focus on incentive travel professionals, anybody who is planning them, all of the people that support them, providing the right education and the right opportunities. And really just we do a lot of a lot of our programs during the year are hosted by our programs. They're focused on a triad of learn, connect, and discover. So really discovering cool destinations. No, there's no time to sit down and like, there's no forced one-on-one appointments. Everything is just done by interaction and conversation and dialogue creation. So it's really refreshing and it's really fun. And once you're on site, you might as well just have your name on a post-it note because we really don't differentiate the role in the industry because at the end of the day, we're all in it together. Love that. Well, and Christy and Lisa Meller did a show for us on incentive being part, should be part of your marketing plan. Um, and that was episode 32. So for those of you listening to this, be sure to check that one out. Um, goes along with the mission, obviously, of uh, Tahira's organization. Love it. Yeah, it is really, really awesome. So Emma, uh, we saw you used to be event operations manager for TED conferences. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about how that was and what's one thing that would surprise our listeners about how difficult it is to become a TED speaker? Oh, to become a TED speaker. Wow. I mean, I always say uh, that that job is the job where I learned the most. Um, it was, you know, that could, that's got a lot of positives and um, some really difficult times with it. But it was, you're thrown in and you're with an amazing group of people. Um, so yeah, I learned the foundation really, even though I had been in events for quite a while of everything I do now during my time there from getting through difficult moments, from working remotely, you know, a lot of the events are in different cities um, and just and working with a team of people and supporting each other is, is huge um, during, you know, that's you're on site for three weeks at a tech conference. So it's your normal event stress um, for three weeks. <laughs> My which, um, yeah, which can be a lot, but it's also incredibly rewarding. To be a TED speaker, so uh, that wasn't my department, but um, I, you know, I, I did build out. So we did everything. Um, what I worked on was everything outside of the theater at TED. So when TED goes somewhere, they take over the convention center at the very least, and they TEDify it. So we did everything, you know, that's, you know HVAC to TVs to bringing in cars, craning in multiple different tents and pieces, and um, for the whole convention center. But in terms of speakers, I mean, you really have to be doing something um, ahead of the game, completely innovative and a bit different. Um, thinking about solutions from a different point of view is, is really what Ted is looking for in terms of whatever subject it is that you're speaking on. Sure. Um, yeah. So I haven't been there for a few years now, so I don't want to you know, say that that's necessarily how they're doing it now. But certainly um, that was when I was there, which is what kept them so fresh and interesting. That's amazing. So they make it an entire experience. That's 100%. That's so awesome. I love that. All right. So, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with that, but I just, I saw that in your, your LinkedIn profile. And I talked last night on someone who coaches people to become TED speakers. And so it was just sort of timely. So I thought I'd just throw that out there. Okay. So rapid fire real quick. We have a couple minutes before our next, our next group is in the queue. Hi everyone. 
I uh, want to have everyone share what is your like what's a hot tool, a tech tool or whatever that you're loving these days. Christy, you have one? I do. It's called one second every day. And you literally just shoot one second of every day. And at the end of the month, you've got a 30 second little video about every place you've been. And it's fabulous. I love it. A picture or a video? Or it's a, you can, video? Well, you can do a picture, but if you do video, it, the play is more, it's oh, okay. more interesting to watch. It's fabulous. It's free. And even I can use it, which means it's easy. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Tahira? I'm just totally taking that one second thing because that is awesome. And I'm going to start doing that because I go so many places. No, but I can tell you that I, I don't have one favorite thing, but I, I, what I'm finding is that I literally live out of my phone. You know, Ryan Holmes, who CEO of Hootsuite, tried for a year to see if he could just run his company from his iPhone. And I kind of feel like most days that's what I'm doing. So it's the collection of things we're able to do now and the integrations. Love that. And, and having a backup battery, right? Because, you know... <laughs> being on it as much as you are in that situation is key. Emma? Yeah, a backup battery is definitely key. And to Christy's point, um, a friend of mine did that one second video for a whole year. Um, and it was incredible just to look back and see the memories, um, even of someone else's life. So um, certainly it's, it's, that's a great tool. I mean, I, I mine isn't, isn't new necessarily, but I live my life on Trello. It's like my automated to-do list. And um, when Trello very occasionally goes down, I'm basically lost <laughs> for the time that the site isn't working. So that's my go-to. Love it. All right. Well, I told you it would go fast. And here we are ready for the next group. Thank you, Emma, to hear and Christy so much for joining us on this reunion. You're welcome to hang out and uh, listen into the rest of the conversation if you'd like, but I know, you know, want to honor your time so you can, you can head out if you'd like. All right. So next up are my, my marketing rock star speaker friends. Hello, Jessica, Bella, and Michael. Um, Bella's rocking a less is better than more t-shirt. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures, but uh, so Damien was on yesterday and people were rocking the rootless hat. So I love that's That's awesome. I, oh, again, I thought that's why I put it on. <laughs> I should have a website to put my t-shirt on and I didn't. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to do a little quick intro on you guys and remind everyone the episodes that you were on. And then we have a few questions for you. Jessica Phillips is founder of Now Marketing Group and she was on episode 34, talking about relationship marketing. And Michael Kushkiri, now I have to ask, Jessica and Bella, did you know that's how you say his last name? I wasn't even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I've always said it. <laughs> I know. That was my biggest takeaway of my, oh, Mike. <laughs> my talk with them. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All right. And speaking of Michael. He's the managing director of MC Square Marketing. He was on episode 36, Build Relationships to Build Business. So sounds like it's the same as Jessica's, but it was quite different, the combo. And then Bella Firecracker, Bella Vasto was on talking about Facebook groups. And I believe that was episode 35. So welcome y'all. Hi. Michael's on the phone in in a car. Are you in a car? I am. I'm in a car in a car park. I've been doing some networking and some socializing with some business colleagues at a golf, a top golf, computerized golf place. So oh, just having something to eat. So I've just come out. And you're in what city in the UK right now? In London, just outside London, London in Watford. Fabulous. We had Ben Roberts on yesterday. So All right. we really appreciate it. And Mariska is in the Netherlands. So we have some, some people from far away appreciating you very much uh, joining us late night. <laughs> 
All right. So group three, excited to have you here. And I did ask everyone to kind of think about what was your one big thing. Um, Bella, I'll let you go last because we had, uh, I'm not sure if you heard, heard this question or not. So what's the one big thing that you have learned since you were on our show last? I'll let Jessica go first. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Oh, man. I'm good. How are you? Good. Like, I feel like I've been on twice, I believe, but was it one with Brian Fanso and then one kind yeah. of solo you and I? So, yeah. but yeah. So one big thing, oh man, there's been so much I've learned in a year, but I would say, was this geared toward professional or personal? Any or both. Does matter. So I have something for both. Okay. All right. So professionally in the marketing space, I feel like I've learned and understood even more what it means to be in the relationship marketing space and why it's so much more important uh, today for every business because all of these communities, and Bella can attest to this, people are going into smaller communities to hang out. They are going into the groups. They're going into their messenger. You know, they're, they're participating more in dark social. And the only way really for brands to embrace and get their intention is to really understand what it means to be a relationship marketer and how they can do that through earned attention um, versus just focusing on blasting messages out, which I always knew that, right? But this past year has made it solidified that much more and just the changes that we're seeing brands having on their, their just analytics overall, right? Like they used to get a couple of here and there on a Facebook page or a tweet. And now it's becoming increasingly harder unless they've already had these foundations in place for their brand. And looking at the sales funnel differently, like it's not a funnel anymore. I've been talking about this a lot, that it's a flywheel approach and you have to approach it like that when you're thinking about sales, that I'm not just bringing new clients in and they're dropping out the bottom, you know, when they're done with the sales cycle that we're continuing to engage and be engaged in their process with our brand. So they're continuing to refer us on more often because word of mouth is going to be that differentiator for brands moving in the future. So that's my big, I think, profession this year. And it's just like solidified relationship marketing that much more. And personally, I would say the benefits of working with a coach and multiple coaches. So I had worked with one before. Um, and this year I doubled down on it. My This year, my theme for the year, my one word theme was alignment. So I hired a coach for every area of my business in myself personally, you know, spiritual, you know, life coach and professional business coach. And that has made such an incredible difference. It's also inspired me to start coaching more as well with, with clients when I want and using that as, as a tool to help them go to the next level. But I feel like those were probably my two big takeaways since I've been on the show. Is that all? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and on. This I know. Of learning. <laughs> just add though, like you, you've been our business coach for the last few months at Depict Media and man, oh man, have we moved some mountains in the last few months. So Jessica, you have really helped us a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it, right? That's your, that's why you're doing it. Jessica, I love it. I do it for that. Like yeah. I always like in the client's business anyway, right? Like helping them with marketing, but it's so much more than that because people get it. It's just having the system in place and somebody to hold them accountable to really kind of see what they're not seeing, right? Like if you're looking at the same thing every single day, 
you don't see what someone else from the outside could potentially see for you and, and really help you align to hit your goals and hold you accountable and be your cheerleader. Let's be honest, you know, we need one of those too to help you get there. And that is so rewarding for me when somebody has that aha moment, like that fuels me. I have found myself diving more into like the coaching lane than doing some of the marketing projects, even though they definitely overlap, but I just love it. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. I actually, you just made a light bulb go off for me. I think I need a coach to help me set goals because I'm, I'm just kind of cruising. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. Mr. Kushkiri, <laughs> how are you? And what's your big, what's your one big thing? I think it's a bit of probably work and personal, I suppose. It's about probably about a month or so. No, two months ago, I was, I was on a, a workshop and a coaching program. Again, coaching is, is the, the same subject matter. But it made me realize that I've been putting off doing something. Uh, you know, I network quite quite a bit. And I've belonged to a big, large networking group. And things haven't been going as well as I would like them to do in my in the group that I belong to. But I've been procrastinating, making the decision, should I stay, should I go? And I, the guy who's taken the workshop said one thing to me and really made me resonate with me and made me think and made me make a decision. And he said, sometimes you've got to think that if you're the most experienced person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. Oh, because actually people don't actually value and realize your worth. So it's the time to go and find another group, another group of people, another tribe, another community where people will actually value and what you have to offer. Because we know that we've all got lots to offer. Like Jessica has just said, I know Bella would be saying the same thing again. But you want to be around people that are going to value you and want to hear because all we all do, we're all passionate, all three of everyone on here, we're all passionate about what we do. We're passionate about people. We're passionate about helping others in one way or another. And when people don't actually see that and don't want that, well, okay, I'll go and find somebody else that will. So it made me do, uh, take a very big decision, oops, sorry, after 15 years in one single group. That, But yeah, but it was the right thing. And I haven't looked back now for the last two months. And I've gained so much because I've gained time and focusing my energies on helping other businesses in and around the whole uh, London area. So that was a big aha moment for me. And yeah, really, really appreciated that. I love that. Yeah. And just to tell everybody, you're the tail end of two that we now have had 18 guests on over the course of two shows and everyone, everyone shared their one thing and 95% of them have been kind of along those lines, like a pers- very personal, like something not exactly business focused. And I like it because I wasn't necessarily looking for it. Well, I learned that my email works better when I, you know, like they've been a little existential. So even Azriel Rats, he got deep when he was oh, yeah. like, oh, I didn't know it was going to go like this. And yeah. then he, he ended up going down that road. You'll have to listen to episode 37. <laughs> and it's also just be about being willing and open to share it. Right. And talk yeah. about it in public. Do not be scared to talk to people about the issues that you may have or your why. I, I really talk about why a lot now with, with my clients, getting them to understand what it is, why they do what they do, and being able to share that with people. That is so important in public as well. It's not like me talking here now. Um, being strong and saying, do you know what? That's fine. Yeah. 
Sorry if the light is not good in here. So I'm that's okay. Literally in the car. <laughs> it's a podcast, so the audio is what matters most. But we like to see your face, so we know what's what's happening. I'm here. It's all good. You're there. We can see you. The lighting's fine. Miss Bella, you've had some interesting travels in the last 24 hours. <laughs> How are you other than that? <laughs> it's, it's funny that you actually bring that up because it, it it's part of my big thing. So it's not like, uh, I mean, I was only on recently, so probably like maybe six weeks ago. So there's it's kind of all encompassing something that I keep on learning. And some of the ladies on here can also attest to it, like Jen Cole and Jessica Phillips. But my big thing in one sentence is basically take it offline. And it means like putting yourself out there, no matter how scared or introverted or social phobic, or like, I don't have any friends or I don't know anybody. Just put yourself out there and like, go meet someone for coffee or go get a bunch of girls together. Like the queenies do and rent houses and just like, like celebrate each other, you know? And because there's something special that happens when we, especially as marketeers, we spend all of our time alone in an office without anyone to talk to. Jessica has a little bit of a, a better situation because she's got a whole staff, but a lot of us are just so isolated, you know? And when we go through the highs and the lows of life, it's really important to have witnesses for that. So what I've learned is this is the second year that I've had my called Jump Into Paradise Retreat. And it's where I welcome 16 pet business owners to Paradise Valley, Arizona. And we rent a mansion and we just like go there for the weekend and we have speakers and stuff. And it was really amazing to me, Megan and everybody, because these girls have known each other online for like years, but it was the first time they actually connected. And by the time they left that mansion, I get goosebumps talking about it. They were calling each other sisters. I mean, that's how much they were able to bond and feel like, you know, I didn't really think I was going to like her, but She's like my new BFF. It was really powerful. And so you take that from um, my own retreats that I do in, in the pet industry, the queenies and my personal social, you know, getting all the girls together. My coach, who I just came back from in Savannah, Georgia. Now her and I meet twice a month and this ties into kind of what Jessica was saying too. I meet with her twice a month right here on Zoom. However, there's just something different when we're sitting on the couch together for a long period of time, just like really meandering and brainstorming and seeing each other and feeling each other and just being together for a certain amount of time. So we've done that twice so far. And I feel like those are just so valuable because this is just a, a flash in the pan right now, right? Our interaction. And it means so much more when we're together. And the last part about getting it offline is I've realized how important it is as me, as a leader, as a visionary in my business to actually make it a point to get my, my team together. So for those of us who do not have the luxury like Jessica does, where she has a lot of people in her office and she has remote people too, but you know, we have a lot of virtual assistants or online business managers or whatever we have. But if we can get that core team together at least once a year, imagine what that would do for your business. Oftentimes we think, oh, it's going to be way too expensive. All that comes down really is getting on Airbnb or VRBO and, and making it happen. So get offline and build those relationships because they will help you personally and professionally. And to your point, Megan, very last thing, I think the reason why so many of us have gone personal is because we need to fill up ourselves personally before we can actually pour into our business. We need something inside of us to do that. So take it offline, girls. Yeah. And guys. That ties really well into the two previous groups that I had on. We all work in the events industry and it's face-to-face -face is 
what we preach, right? Like we're not just having events to like to pour money into the companies that we work for. We're having them for that exact reason. Social media marketing world is as successful as it is mostly because of the people. So there's great education, but I would argue that it's it's the people that make it. And I think that that's the same thing with any kind of event. So preach. No. Yeah, that's why I like love social it. media week line months, like yeah. uh, social okay. camp for marketers, you know, because it's even more intimate than it's like a mini social media marketing world. So yeah, actually, that's an amazing event. That's a good um, segue into Jen. Did you have a question for Jessica? So I want to go back to relationship marketing for just a second. And if you could break down basically the most important factor that you feel there is about relationship marketing to our audience, what would that be? I would say going back to what Michael shared too on knowing your why, because when you get crystal clear on who you are, then you also know who you can help and serve. So another big thing like this year is just putting together my own personal mission, right? Like I always knew it, but I never shared it. So I, I went back and refined my own personal mission. And I think everyone should do that. Like why, what lights you up? What do you get excited about? Right. And go back and first start with yourself internally on knowing what you're here here on this planet to do and what fills you up and then knowing who you can go out and serve. Once you know who your tribe is and, and who you are, then it's all about just taking action on it, right? And, and starting those conversations online, in person, going to those events, finding and seeking out others that you can be uplifted by to Michael's point as well, you know, hanging out with people that, you know, you're where you're not just the only person in the room that's adding value at that level, go out and seek other people that you can connect with and have deep conversations with. So I would say the first most important thing is knowing yourself and what you're here to do and how you want to show up to serve and add value and then know who you want to connect with. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. I don't think you can connect with anybody in the right way until you really, really, truly know yourself. That's really powerful. I love it. (laughs) Oh, can I add something to? Absolutely. To I, th- I think you're you're so right about finding out uh, about yourself as well. But when you're trying to build relationships, and I see there were so many businesses that want to connect with people and want to know about them, but what they don't try and find out enough about is the individual person themselves. Mm-hmm. What is it yeah. about that person? They don't ask about that. They just go straight into. Mm-hmm. I want to know yeah. about your business and what you what do you do and how do you help people? Exactly. But start with that. Start with tell me about you. You got to get past do? the well, surface yeah. level stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Go go and ask them what, what makes them tick. What 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 sport do they do? Where do they go on holiday? But I find so many business businesses when I'm having uh, meetings with them, all they're interested in is just the work, which is crazy. Even in person, kind of the same thing that happens. You know, we challenge people all the time in the event, social media week line that I do is stop just sharing about the business that you do, you know, and, and get past that surface level stuff and tell us something what he knows about you or, you know, what's your, your superpower, what's your kryptonite, you know, kind of questions that are going to get past that. Because I feel like brands, I was speaking on knowing your self, but that also means knowing your brand and then knowing your audience and knowing them in order to know them, you do have to ask 
ask questions. So that was a great add-in. You have to ask questions and questions that get past the surface level stuff in order to build a relationship because transactional stuff is just not going to last. It's not going to last in the future where people are willing to refer you on. And we were talking about the flywheel versus sales funnel. The whole sales and marketing landscape just looks completely different now. And the only way to build relationships is to get past that surface level stuff. So good point. I always tell my coaching clients very simply because they, in the pet sitting and dog walking industry, they like to go just drop off cards at a veterinarian and they don't realize that they just go in the trash as soon as they leave the door. So I always say a relationship will last a lot longer than a business card. Yes. Actually, I had a guest on uh, season one who his thing is he calls it ground marketing, which is kind of along those lines, like a not of a of showing up, but not just dropping the cards, but like that face-to-face going to... Because his niche is dentists. So dentists actually getting on the ground in their neighborhoods where, they're, where their office is and actually getting face-to-face with the people that they're trying to get as patients. I love it. Okay. So Michael, we're, we're a little short on time, but I'm hoping we can just um, go over a couple minutes because this has been a really good talk. But I just um, wanted to ask your opinion on what do you think, what's the number one piece of advice as briefly as you can um, that you give someone who wants to start their own agency? Do not try and overthink it. Just do it and have a plan, but don't make a plan so complicated that your thinking is so far ahead of time. Just take the action, make the decision and just do it. But have some sort of a plan. Seek advice. Go and speak to somebody that you know has maybe created not just an agency, but any other successful business as well, because they will give you invaluable advice. That's great advice. Bella, from you, I wanted to know, you're speaking at Inbound. Huge. Biggest stage of your life, right? What's your talk on and how did you get the gig? Well, thanks. Now you're putting that pressure on me. I wasn't (laughs) thinking of it that way. I'm talking about how to use your Facebook group as an inbound marketing machine. Basically how to, you know, gather people in there. We all know that Facebook groups is like amazing right now, right now. And we all know that social media will always change. So if you're changing into Facebook groups, you're going to need to know how to convert that and really make it a sales machine because you absolutely can. There's so many different things that you can do with it. So that's what I'm speaking about. And I'm really excited as much as I hate saying that because everybody says that. Like, I grew up in Boston, so I'm excited to go back there. Congratulations. That's a big... That's huge. It's huge. That's why why I wanted to talk about it because I I think it's (laughs) major. I got it by applying. I just applied. Like I didn't uh, do a Bella full court press as I call it. I didn't hunt anyone down or anything, but yeah. And then I'll be back again at social media marketing world in the end of February, beginning of March. Fabulous. Yeah. Are you in the UK as well soon, Bella? (laughs) Yes, I will be in the UK. Um, I'll be speaking at 2020 sorted Janet Murray's event in November. It'll be the first time I get to go to London. It's actually in Northampton, but I'll spend a little bit of time in London and I'm ridiculously stoked. I won't even say excited. I'll say stoked because I've always wanted to go to London. Make sure you connect with me when you're here. I will. I will. Okay. So I had to say it, but it's time to say goodbye. I am so grateful to all of you for being on your episode that you did and for being here on the reunion and for being friends and people I look up to. So thank you very much. 
and everyone who is listening on the podcast. We appreciate you listening to this two-part season three kickoff of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time. Thank you.